0: welcome you are listening to bible teaching from island community church in downtown memphis tennessee we hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with jesus you can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. thank you for listening
1: Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you could get them open to the book of Lamentations, we're going to be continuing this morning our series called Brokenness and Hope and our study of the lesser-studied book of Lamentations. And I'm so thankful that you are here with us this morning. We've been journeying uh, together through this book and just talking honestly week after week about how life is so hard. We've been talking in this season, just getting real with each other, about the reality that the longer you live, the more you endure, the more you gotta just be honest about the fact that life is hard. Pain is real. There are things that you have experienced in your life that I've experienced in mine that just seem to leave deep wounds, that seem to scar us in ways, weight that we feel like we carry, hurt that seems to continue. I don't have to tell you, just look at the news of the last 24 hours, the world is broken. We know it, we feel it. We felt it in our city in this last year in many ways. As a church, we're talking in this season about how God has called us to a merciful and missional presence here in the city of Memphis, one neighbor at a time. And we felt it here in our city over the last year. We felt the brokenness We've heard the gunshots. Many in our community have experienced break-ins, thefts. We work with patients day in and day out that are hurting in systems of oppression and injustices. We see it in the faces of the children that we teach in our classrooms. We can sense the tension, the bitterness, the anger that linger be beneath the surface of many that we interact with day in and day out. Brokenness. The global news of the last 24 hours of what's happened in Israel and Hamas. Brokenness. We sense it. And it's not just abstractly out there. We also sense it within us. Brokenness. Tim Keller um, says this in his book that I've recommended out on our uh, resource recommendations bookshelf out there. But he says, uh, no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we put together a good life, no matter how hard we work to be healthy and wealthy and comfortable with friends and family and successful with our career, something will inevitably ruin it. How's that for encouragement on a Sunday morning? But isn't it interesting, especially those of us who are in the city, those of us who are younger perhaps or in our careers, those of us who really like control, those of us who have found success, we like to to think that everything is gonna go just the way it should, just the way we dreamed it, just the way we planned it, and then you walk in the doctor's office and you get a diagnosis. You get a phone call. You show up at work. Where you show up at the house and then suddenly the world around you begins to spin out of control because circumstantially, we know that what Jesus said is true. In this world, there will be many troubles. And we gotta be honest about the fact that life is not always easy. And even life with Jesus is not always easy, is it not? even following Jesus, even following Jesus involved suffering. Jesus was square with his disciples. He says, look, if, if this is what's happened to me, if you look at the life of Jesus, it was not marked by comfort, by health, by wealth, by power, by ease. And he looks at his disciples and he goes, if this has happened to me, I'm paraphrasing here, but you should expect it also to happen to you. Some of us get in a quandary when things go wrong when our faith is in Jesus because we go, wait, but I- I'm doing all the right things. And yes, even doing all the right things, sometimes in life, we just experience hard things. So in this season What we're working to be honest about as a community, because honestly, I think very few Christians know how to deal at this level of honesty about what's really going on in our hearts, in our lives, in our world, in our past, in our present, even fears of our future. What we're doing is trying to shift things a bit and to just get more honest and raw and real about how hard life can be sometimes. We're getting more honest about the fact that some days and in some seasons, there are more questions than answers. In some days, in some seasons, there are more tears than smiles. In some days and in some seasons, there are more valleys than mountaintops and there is more seeming darkness than light. And I've been inviting you to get honest with God, and yourself, and other people, and to consider opening up a bit about your past, or even about your present, that maybe this is you. Maybe this is where you have been at times, or even where you are today, and you are wondering, how do I deal with it? <laughs> this exposes our need for lament, and the goodness of the grace of the book of Lamentations. Because as we consider our need for lament, we can all go, yeah, I have pain, I have doubts, I have disappointments, I have questions, I have had disillusionment, I've got frustrations, I've got grief, I feel hurt. These things are all real to me. The brokenness is real. But the question is, what do I do with it? And that is the season that we're in. Y'all ready to continue? So this morning, um, as we continue our series, and I'm, again, inviting you to join me on this journey because this book in the Bible is meant to help us to know God gets us when we're in that place. He gets us, but we've got to know what to do with it, and the book is there to help. This morning, as we continue our journey in this study, the title of today's message is, Asking Boldly. So if you've got something to write with, and I encourage you to do it today, to be a note-taker so that you can be a disciple-maker, you can write down the title of today's message, Asking Boldly. And today we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 2, picking up where Jordan left off last week, starting in verse 13. And we're going to be looking at this question of how can we continue to lament? If you remember, lament is how we bring our sorrows to God, okay? So the book Lamentations come out of the word lament. Of course, the original word of the book in Hebrew is just how, okay? But lament is how we bring our sorrow to God. It is the biblical pathway that God has provided for us to engage our grief. It's how we bring our questions and our struggles before God. It connects us to God, okay? So Lamentations chapter two, starting in verse 13, and I read from the ESV. What can I say for you? To what compare you, O daughter of Jerusalem? What can I liken to you, that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For your ruin is vast as the sea. Who can heal you? Your prophets have seen you, false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen for you oracles that are false and misleading. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you, they hiss. And they wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty? The joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss. They gnash their teeth. They cry. We've swallowed her. Ah, this is the day we longed for. Now we have it. We see it. The Lord has done what he has purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. Their heart cried to the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent day and night. Give yourself no rest your eyes no respite. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. Look, O Lord, and see with whom you have dealt this. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, the children of their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets lie the young and the old. My young women and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. You summoned, as if to a festival day, my terrors on every side, And on the day of the anger of the Lord, no one escaped or survived those whom I held and raised my enemy destroyed. Well, this is God's word. Today, we're gonna be talking together about what it means to continue to learn to bring our sorrows to God in lamentation, to continue to learn lament And today, we're going to be looking at what it means to ask boldly. Now, I want to just take you with me on the journey we've had so far, okay? For some of you, you've been here each week. For others, this may be your first time, and we're glad you're here. Um, For others, this may be just a needed refreshment, okay? You're welcome to write, or you're welcome not to, just to listen. But here's where we've been so far. As we've journeyed through the book of Lamentations, we've been learning how to lament. And the first thing we learned is that lament is a grace, right? In lament, we have permission to just bring our brokenness to God. And some of us have learned how to do that more in this season, just how to experience God And just coming as we are in the mess of who we are in the darkness of where we are and the frustrations, the discouragement, the disillusionment, the questions that we have, we don't have to have a nice and pretty ending. We just get to come raw before the Lord and whatever it is that we're feeling and we just get to be broken in his presence. We offer our brokenness to him. That is what lament looks like. So, in lament, number one, we learn we bring our brokenness to God. Now, number two, what we learned is that it's actually okay to complain to God. In lament, actually, the number one thing, the only thing that ties together all of the laments in the Psalms, and there's more than 60 of them, nearly half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. The only thing that ties them all together is what? A complaint. How long, O oh Lord? Will you forget me forever? Where are you, God? Why, God, have you left me here? Again and again and again, the psalmist help us to know how to bring our complaints to the Lord. And we talked together about how to bring feelings to him and losses to him. And just to be honest to God about how things are not okay. We also learn, number three in lament, not only to bring our complaints to God, but as we do that, see sometimes we just wanna look all outside of us and point the finger, God, this is wrong and this person is wrong and this situation is not right and this thing needs to change and and we look outside, external. But number three, we learn not just to look external, but also to look internal. Not only do we bring our complaints to God, but we bring our confession to God because we recognize that it's not only broken outside of me, but God, there's also things that are broken within me. And then last week, as Jordan taught, I'm so thankful for your word, Jordan, but as he taught, we learned to not only bring our complaints to God, confessions to God, but to bring essentially our submission to God. The closing prayer of last week that we learned, God, you are God and I am not, and to learn to humble ourselves under his sovereign hand. So that's where we've been so far. And all of these are key ingredients of lament. But today, we take another step, and it's a very simple step. But I'm telling you, if you can learn this step, it's the turning point. It's a turning point in the midst of your sorrows and your suffering. The fifth step in our journey of learning lament is this. In lament, we bring our desperation to God. We bring our desperation to God. The main point this morning is quite simple, but some of the things that we need the most in our hearts and our lives are not the things that are the most complex to understand intellectually, but the most simple. The challenge is living it out. <laughs> the main point this morning is this. In lament, we call upon God to act in a manner that fits his character and resolves our complaint. In lament, here's what it looks like. We come to a place where we go, oh, God, I need you. God, I desperately Need you. Like the song, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. And lament. After we've come raw, and we've come complaining, and we've come confessing, we come submitting, we come to a point where we go, God, I need you here, right now, in this moment, in this situation. God, I need you. That's the main point this morning. And lament, we come to a point where we express desperation for God. And we call out to God in two ways. We call out to God in ways that we know fits who he is and what he's promised. It fits his character. God, we know who you are, so we're trusting you in this. Because this is who you are. And the second way we call out is we're saying, God, I'm calling out to you with this specific request. I'm asking you, God, to fix this. I'm asking you to resolve this complaint. God, in this specific thing that is going on that is paining me, that is discouraging me, that is pressing me on every side, God, that is ailing me, God, in this specific thing, I'm asking you, God, Would you intervene? Would you bring your power to bear so that you would change this? And it's okay to pray like that. And lament, there's an invitation. And this morning, as your pastor, I'm looking at you and your eyes, trying to get through to your soul, and I'm saying, God is here. He's here. And he is inviting you this morning to call out to him with desperation knowing who he is and knowing what he is able to do, you have an invitation from the most high to call out to him and to say, oh God, I need you based on who you are and what you can do. I am asking and trusting in you. That's the main point this morning. Now you go, Pastor Barrett, where did you get that from Lamentations? Good thing you asked. I knew that was the question you were asking, Right? So Lamentations chapter two. Now you gotta remember, as we go through this book, we've been highlighting different themes as we've been going. A lot of these themes are interwoven throughout the chapters. You can find them in chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. But the reason that I've chosen this theme for this particular text is because there's a turning point here in this text that I want to bring to the surface this morning. And it's primarily starting there in verse 17. So if you look at your Bible, they're obviously in a mess of a situation. The people of God carted off away from the Promised Land. Their cities in ruins. Their people are being oppressed. They're in a place that they should not be. They've admitted the brokenness around them. They've admitted the brokenness in them. And here, the writer of Lamentations, most likely the prophet Jeremiah, he cries out. This is a corporate lamentation, different than Job, which is a more personal lamentation. He cries out on behalf of the people. The Lord has done what he's purposed. He's carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He's thrown down without pity. He's made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. He's calling their church and he's saying, guys, this sucks. Sorry, that's the message version. I should stick to the ESV. Uh, the Lord has done okay. What He's purpose? So what He's? <laughs> I'm so glad y'all still like my jokes after 12 years of lameness. You still laugh. I don't know why. I think it's just compassion. Um, he's going, guys. Look around us. Things can't get worse. out of denial. This is bad. Stop pretending like we're not in a desperate place. We are. We are in a desperately broken place right now. He's calling their attention to their situation, but then he's doing something more. Verse 18, and this is the turning point. Their heart cried to the Lord. their heart, deep, deep, deep anguish of the soul. This is not like just before dinner prayer that we have to obligatory, you know, thank you, Lord, for our food, blah, blah, blah and we kind of say it with our head, but we may not mean it. When's the last time tears came down your face at a prayer just before dinner? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for, for light prayers. But this is not a light prayer. This is not an obligatory prayer. This is not a routine prayer. This is from the depth of their soul. It says their heart cried before the Lord. O woe of the daughter of Zion, let tears stream down like a torrent. Day and night. This is the kind of prayer, I don't know if you've ever had a prayer like this. If not, the Lord's inviting you into a new depth of life with him and dependency upon him. This is the kind of prayer that does bring tears to your eyes. Sometimes tears are the only thing that come out. Sometimes it's not even words, but you're just in the presence of God and you're desperate for him and you pour your whole self out before him. Because you know that you know if he does not step in and help, you are helpless. And you're saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. And the writer of Lamentations is here saying, oh, people of God, wake up. Don't you see your situation? Yes, it's good to bring your brokenness. It's good to bring your complaint. It's good to bring your confession. It's good to bring your submission. But people of God, wake up. We need God. And we desperately right now need to seek him. From your heart, cry before the Lord. Let tears stream down your face and don't stop day and night. Verse 18 says, give yourself no rest. Your eyes no respite. Arise, cry out in the night, verse 19, at the beginning of the night watches. Here it is again. What does he say? Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint and hunger at the head of every street. Pour out your heart. What's holding you back? Why would you offer small prayers right now? In the situation that you're in, this is a time for big prayers to a big God. Don't hold anything back seek him with all your heart, pour out your whole heart before him and lift up your hands. In other words, don't come into his presence with tightly clenched fists. Don't you come thinking that you're gonna keep this situation in your control and you can fix it. No, this is a time for surrender. This is a time for release. This is a time where you have got to come begging God to do something that only God can do. Come boldly with your hands lifted up for yourself, for your situation, for your loved ones. Lift up your hands, verse 20. Look, O Lord, and see with whom you have dealt this. This is a call to his character. Should women eat the fruit of their womb, and children their tender care? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? In the dust of the streets, let the young and the old, my women and young men have fallen to the sword. You've killed them in the day of your anger, slaughtering without pity. Oh God, would you come and see? Would you come and help us, God? And he's calling on God to have Compassion. He's calling on the character of God to have mercy. Oh God, I need you. Do you see from the text, are you seeing it? I'm inviting you to journey with me. Do you see this turning point? They'd been honest about brokenness. They had brought complaint, had brought confession, had moved to submission, but now they're going, God, I need your intervention. And they're seeking him with desperation. So in lament, we bring our desperation to God. In lament, we call upon God in a manner that fits his character and resolves our complaint. God, we know you to be this, and God, we're needing you right now in this way. That is learning lament. This is found throughout the book. I'll give you a few other examples. Like chapter one, if you flip back, verse nine, he talks about the same thing. He cries out, oh Lord, behold my affliction for the enemy has triumphed. In verse 21, the same thing. He says, now let them be as I am. He's asking for something to change with the enemies. He's sick and tired of what they're doing. And he's saying, God, would you deal with them like you've dealt with me? Verse 22. Let all of their evil doing come before you. Deal with them as you have dealt with me. This is throughout the book, asking boldly. This is found also in other laments in scripture. I'll give you a couple of examples. I cannot be exhaustive, obviously, or else, well, I could. Are y'all willing to stay that long? I don't think you are. I'll give you a few examples. You can go look at them later. Laments that we've referenced throughout the series. Psalm chapter three is one of them. For instance, like in verse seven, he he gets to a point, he goes, arise, Lord, save me, God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. Break the teeth of the wicked. This is a specific request. Some of us may have prayed a prayer like this with an enemy in our life. God, kill them. God, deal with them. God, change them. It's okay to pray Prayers like this, when it's consistent with his character and it resolves our complaint. Verse 8 in Psalm 3 salvation belongs to the Lord. May blessing be on your people. Oh God, would you save us? Would you bless us? Another uh, lament that we've looked at before in the series, Psalm chapter 13. A couple of examples in here. Verse 1 How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? Verse 2 How long? Well, I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? Oh, God, would you come? He's begging God to come. And the rest of that lament, like in uh, verse 3, you get more specific with his request. Consider and answer me, Lord. Light up my eyes. In other words, God, I, I'm, I feel in darkness here, and I need light. I feel discouraged here, and I need encouragement. I feel depressed here, and I need you to lift it. Verse 4. Lest my enemies say, I prevailed over him, or my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. Oh God, I'm dealing with cancer. I need you to heal me, Lord. Oh God, my bank account is about to run dry. I don't have a job. God, I need you to give me a job, Lord. I need you to take care of me. Oh God, this relationship is in ruins. It's my marriage or my friendship or some other relationship. God, I'm desperate here. I need you, God, to bring peace. I need you to bring reconciliation. These are are specific requests about specific circumstances. They're saying, God, we know you to be this. And so God, I'm asking you to be this in this moment, right here, right now. Another example, this final one is Psalm 86. It's another lament. Full of requests, asking boldly before the Lord. Verse two, preserve my life, God. Verse three, God be gracious to me. Verse 11, God teach me your ways. Verse 16, God turn to me. Please God, give me strength. Verse 17, God show me a sign of your favor. This is asking boldly before the Lord and lament. We bring our desperation to God. And we call upon him in ways that fit his character and resolve our complaint. We bring our desperation. Here at our church, um, we use a phrase to talk about this kind of life with God in prayer. You might have heard this phrase before. We call it desperate dependence. And we believe that desperate dependence is a quality of life that should mark every person who has a real relationship with Jesus Christ in greater and greater degrees as you grow in relationship with him. Desperate dependence. It's the idea of Psalm 126, those who weep in tears who sow in tears, shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Of course, earlier in the Psalm, we know that the Lord is one who can rescue, the one who can restore. We know and have a vision of God who does great things for us, right? And so in moments that feel difficult, that feel dark, that feel overwhelming, what should come out of our hearts is this, hearts of going, God, right now, I need you. God, I am sowing with tears, but God, I believe that as I seek you, God, I will find you because you promise that I will find you when I seek you with all of my heart. God, right now I'm coming to you with desperation because I believe that, Lord, if I sow with my tears of desperation, that on the other side of it will be answers that will lead me to shouts of joy. God, I need you. Desperate dependence. We define that as a church as a posture. Because prayer is not an activity. It's a posture of our heart. So prayer is not something that we just do before meals or we just do before bed. Prayer is that ongoing state of dependence upon God. And we define it as a posture of abiding in God's presence and longing for God's power and depending upon God's promises. That this should be ever growing in our heart. And as I move to close this morning, I, I want to just apply this right now into where you are in whatever situation you're facing as it relates to your own need for lamentation. I wonder this morning, in your specific situations, past and present, I wonder this question. Might it be that we need to pray less casually about things? I just wonder. Might it be that in our lives right now There needs to be a little bit less casual attitude toward God. Less casual prayer. And I I say that because I'm thinking of Jesus right now. And I'm thinking particularly about the story that he told us, his disciples in Luke chapter 18. And he told this story with a purpose. Luke chapter 18, write the reference down or turn there if you'd like to. We're, we're about to close, so this will be the, one of the last places I ask you to look. Luke 18, he, he told them a parable, and he told them for a purpose. It says that he told them to the effect that they would pray always and not lose heart in doing so. So we, we, we hear here the heart of Jesus. He wants for you to be a person who always prays, who's desperately dependent on him, and as you pray, he wants you not to stop praying. He wants you not to give up in your prayers. And here's the story, verse 2. It says, he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary for a while he refused but afterward he said to himself though I neither fear God nor respect man yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming and the Lord said hear what the unrighteous judge says and will not God Give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? And Jesus says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? He tells you the story because he wants you to be desperately dependent on him and not to lose heart in doing so. And he tells you a story about a woman who says, I know that judge. And he's the only one who can help. And even though he may not hear me, I know that I've got to get his attention. And she went day and night and day and night and day and night. And she knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and said, please help me, please help me, please help me. And even though this judge did not really know her, and in his heart did not even really care that much, because of her continual coming, he says, fine, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and gave her her answer. With his power, changed her situation. And Jesus looks at you, and he goes, now wait a second, guys. if that judge who didn't have a right heart and didn't have a real relationship with that woman did that for her because of her continual coming, how much more will the good and perfect father who does have a good heart and who does have a real relationship with you give you what you need if you will just keep coming to him? So come and come and come and don't tire of coming. And he asks us a haunting question. Will I find faith in you. Is there desperate dependence that marks your life? The question I asked right before I told you this parable is could it be that we need to pray less casually about things? Here's another way I could ask the same question. If your need is desperate, how can your prayer be casual? If your need is desperate, how can our prayer be casual? Our prayer, friends, has to be commensurate to the assessment of the need. How much do you really need him? Go then and be desperate for him. I was at a renewal conference two weeks ago. A guy who's the dean of Asbury where there was a big revival this past year, spoke and it was a great blessing. One of the stories he told was about Augustine, the great church theologian that many of us know, love, and appreciate. Augustine was lost for a long time, very much most of his childhood and teenage years. And Augustine's mother was a woman of God and wanted desperately, like the families who dedicated their children today, wanted her child to know the Lord. But she came to a point of recognizing that she needed to talk less to Augustine about God and needed to talk more to God about Augustine. And there was a turning point in her life when she began to realize that she was dealing with this situation with what she could do, and she needed to start dealing with this situation according to what God could do. And she started devoting the majority of her time and investment and energy toward her son in the closet of prayer. Augustine, later in his life, after he came to a point of salvation after God touched his heart by grace and he was saved, he often would introduce himself as the child of his mother's tears. I am the child of my mother's tears, tears of prayer. I wonder what children you have of your tears of prayer. Are your situations described as that of your tears of your prayer? Your relationships? God has called us to be people of prayer. To be people who are desperately dependent upon what he can do. Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if it asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The same renewal conference last week, I heard a story of Charles Finney, who was invited to preach a week long conference on family discipleship. In the Saturday morning session, He stood up, and everybody was packed in the room. Everybody wanted to hear this great man of God preach. And as he stood up to preach, he began to put away his notes. He closed his Bible, and he says, I'm sorry, but this morning I cannot preach to you about family discipleship. Because at this moment, one of my own children is not saved. And I find it better that we use our time crying out, not studying more, but crying out to God for what only he could do. And he got down behind the pulpit that morning And instead of preaching, he went on his knees and those who were in the room give testimony that he just began to cry. And he began to weep and cry out with wails, the tears for one who he loved, who he wanted to know the Lord, but he couldn't change himself, so he began to just cry out to the Lord. And as he began to do that, people who were in the room described that suddenly other people began to do that. And suddenly the whole room was converted from an intellectual study conference to a prayer room before the king. And revival broke out. Similar to what happened in Asbury just months ago, where people began to go, if Jesus is really real and he can really do what he says he can do, then I'm coming to him. People who began to get serious, honest about their situation, and serious about going to God and saying, God, I need you. This is who you are, and this is what I face And God right now, right here and right now, I need you. Desperate dependence before the Lord. So as we close this morning, I'm going to stay here on my knees. (laughs) I'm going to invite our worship team to come. And I'm inviting you this morning to join me in desperate dependence before God. I don't know what it is you're facing. I don't know what situation, what sorrow, what suffering you're in. But I know this, Jesus Christ is here. He loves you. He came and lived for you for your righteousness. He came and died for you for your forgiveness. He went to the grave to put death away and he rose again after three days and he lives today and he is real and all of his promises are yes and amen and he can do what he says he can do. And we are broken and our situations are broken and we need him and this morning he is here and he gives grace and mercy and help to those who seek him. They will find him when they seek him with all their hearts. So this morning, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, maybe you get on your knees, maybe you come to a prayer counselor who will be here down front, maybe you just come to the altar, maybe just in the quietness of this moment in your own heart as we sing the lyrics of the song, Oh God, I need you every hour. This morning the Holy Spirit is inviting you to ask boldly in ways that are consistent with His character and in ways that act in power in your need. Oh, God, we need you. Oh, Father, I pray you pour out your Holy Spirit right now that you would give grace as we seek you. Oh, God, for for those who are in denial, would you shake them? Would you wake them? Would they know, God, that they can't fix it? This is not something we can do. God, we need you. So we bring situations to you, sorrows to you. We bring our bodies to you, our need for healing to you, God. We bring situations and circumstance to you. We bring people to you, brokenness and bitterness. We bring anger and frustration and doubt and despair, discouragement and depression, addictions and bondage. Lord, we bring ourselves to you. And God, we seek you. We need you, God. Come, Lord, help us. Change us. Change our situations, Lord, we seek you.
0: Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans 15, 13.